reasons why I love Costco is because you can go and you can have samples. Have you ever gone to, to Costco and, and just went for samples? I mean, and sometimes, and the nice thing about it is if you don't like it, you can spit it out, you know? I mean, but if you have me over for dinner or something and I'm tasting something, I'm going to have to eat the whole thing and smile. But God, I was like, I don't want that. But you know, there's many times that Costco's gotten me for a couple bucks because of a sample that I would have never tried on my own, but I fell in love with that. So I hope you like the samples today. Today we're going to be talking on a, a series that's uh, called Living a Godly Life in an Ungodly World. Now, we wanted this side to really get this message. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think we had a bulb go out on our projector, so uh, it's only on the one side over here. But living a godly life in an ungodly world. Now, has anybody ever heard the saying, when in Rome, do as the Romans? Has anybody ever heard that? I mean, I don't even know if that's even for the younger generation, but I've heard that a lot in my life. But you know, the one thing about a follower of Christ is that we are to follow Christ and not our culture. So even though we're in Rome, we should not be behaving like the Romans because we have a calling on our lives. We follow Christ. That's what our name Christian means is that we're a follower, a reflector of Christ. And no matter what's going on in our society, we are to be a follower of Christ. Living a Christian in today's culture and environment now, we're blessed to be in the South and call it the Bible Belt, but as you travel around, you will start to sense that our country is becoming more anti-Christian in legislation, in culture, in music, in writings. Even our president has proclaimed us as a post-Christian society now. We're to be acceptive of all religions and all ways to God but we're still followers of Christ. So today we're going to be going into the book of Daniel, and I want to talk about Daniel, a young man who lived a life without compromise. Before I go right in the passage, let me give you a little background to it. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar has, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar has been out probably in war for three years. He has seized Judah, and while he's conquered it and he's starting to gather up the uh, the prized possessions, he gets an emergency phone call that his father, um, let me read his name, uh, Nablopolisar. We almost called you that, Austin. I, you know, we wanted a biblical name, but we thought Nablopolisar, you would never get your name tag at Six Flags. So Nablopolisar dies, and so he gets this emergency phone call, you need to get back, uh, your father's passed away, you need to take over the kingdom. So he tells his generals, hey, Grab the, the best of the best, grab some of the young royalty, and come on back home. And so we're going to start here. Uh, he's taking some of the teenagers back. And I looked it up, and they, they went 1,500 miles. And so I went into MapQuest, which I love MapQuest, and I put in Dallas, and I started searching to see what was 1,500 miles. And first I went to Atlanta. That wasn't far enough. Then I went up to, uh, like, uh, the Baltimore area. Believe it or not, New York City is 1,497 miles away from Dallas. So I wanted to kind of give you a perspective of when they had to move 1,500 miles, it's like moving you. Paul, I want you to move to New York City, okay? Now, if you've ever been to New York City, New York City is not Texas, okay? 
I'm serious. I mean, when, even when Texans think of New Yorkers, you know, we have that, that frame of mind. And guess what? New Yorkers think the same way about us, that everybody has a gun, everybody does a truck, everybody says howdy, we all wave, and we eat barbecue for three meals a day. That's what they think about us. I didn't tell them what we think about them, but I know that's what they think about us. Different cultures, even though we're just 1,500 miles away, get a perspective of that. Daniel 1, verses 3 and 5 says, The king told Aspenaz, the chief of staff, to bring some of the Israelites, the royal family, and the nobility. They were to be young men who were healthy, good-looking, knowledgeable in all subjects, well-informed, intelligent, and able to serve in the king's palace. They were to be taught the language and literature of the Babylonians. And the king arranged for them to get a daily allowance of the king's rich food and wine. They were to be trained for three years, and then after that, they were to serve the king. Skipping down to Daniel 6, it says, Among these were some from Judah. Daniel, and I'm giving you their meanings here, says, The name meaning God is my judge. Hananiah meaning the Lord has been gracious. Mishael, the one who comes from God. And Azariah, the Lord is my helper. But I also wanted to give you what their new names in Babylon meant. Daniel was to be called Belshazzar, the secret of their god Bel. Hananiah was to be called Shadrach, the inspiration of the sun god. Mishael uh, was to be named Meshach, who belongs to the goddess Shishak. She sells seashores by the seashore. Uh, Azariah means Abendigo, servant of Nebo, the morning star. Now, although these young men were given Babylonian names of the pagan gods, they continued to live to the standards of their Hebrew names. And when they were taken captive, they were given these new names so that they would forget their past and they would focus on their future. And I'm going to tell you that Satan is going to always try to change your identity and who you are in Christ. He's going to try to start changing. We're going to go into that in a minute. Daniel 1.8 says, and Daniel, I love the scripture, and Daniel made up his mind not to harm himself. And, I, and when I read that, it just kept resulting in my spirit that, you know what, today we have a hard time making up our mind. There are sometimes we have to get determined about something and saying, I am not going to compromise my life. I am not going to compromise my family. I don't care if everybody else is doing this. I am not going to do this. Oh, but Mark, everybody's doing, everybody's going, every. No, there's sometimes we have to make up our mind and not always be swayed by what is CNN telling us and what is everybody doing. And wow, they're selling it at Walmart, so it must be great. Daniel made up his mind not to harm himself by eating the king's rich food and drinking the king's wine. So he asked the chief of staff for permission not to harm himself in this way. He made up his mind. And it wasn't about whether they should eat the king's food. It was really a question about their integrity. See, what you have to realize is that as Hebrew children, they were raised that unless something, they weren't vegetarians, but their meat had to be prepared a certain way. They had taken a vow that they would not eat in a certain way. 
Also, the king's food could have contained meat that had been offered to their idol, Bell. So Bell wasn't going to eat it. So after it was like, do you want it? No, ding. Okay, now you guys can eat it, all right? So that's what was the rich food. It was first offered to the idols, and then it was offered to these young men and all of his counterparts. So what it was saying is by them accepting that, they were going to be compromising in the vow and the relationship that they had with their God. Regardless of the cost, they would not defy themselves by eating of the food. Peer pressure. Now, Daniel and these three, these were good-looking guys. Remember, they had to be of nobility. They had to be smart, intelligent. Uh, you know, all of y'all would qualify for this. And, and they had to, 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 to really have it all together. And could you imagine walking into the, 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 the royal cafeteria, and on your plate, you got water and vegetables. I mean, I'd feel like the only vegetarian at a barbecue contest. You know what I mean? It's like everybody else is, oh, this is so good. This is, oh, and they're just, and you're smelling the food, and you're looking at, and I love vegetables. Sherry knows that. I love, you know, I'm looking at my vegetables and water, and I'm looking at what everybody else is getting to eat. You got cake? How'd you get cake? I'd like cake. Wouldn't we? I mean, honestly, would you not be walking through and everybody's like, oh, this was the best. We never ate like this back home. You should taste this. I hope I'm going to put in a request for this to be on the menu every day. And yet every day they would go in and they would walk in with their potatoes and every, their healthy foods and their vegetables and their water. Peer pressure. But they realized that if they took the king's food, they'd be opening up an appetite for something they shouldn't be having. Opening up an appetite. Because of my beliefs, there are things that I should not be sampling in my life because it's going to change my allegiance to God. It's going to change my marriage. It's going to change my relationship with my children. And there are plenty of free samples out there. I'm going to give you three reasons why I can't sample what Satan has to offer. Three reasons why I can't sample what Satan has to offer. Number one, I will not become grateful. You see, if I eat what's on the king's plate, I'm going to become grateful for it. And if I become grateful for it, I am going to grow to appreciate something that doesn't build up my beliefs. See, what you're sampling for, you're going to start appreciating. And at first, that sample may have been free, but then there may be a cost. See, what we have to look at is the devil cannot create something. Do you know that? The devil does not have the ability to create. So what he can take is he can take what God has created and he can twist it. He can twist it. And so what he's done now is he's made Nebuchadnezzar king over these, these, uh, these young men. And he has become their God. And he's saying, now, you're going to learn our language. You're going to learn our ways. You're going to learn our language. You're going to eat our food. You're going to worship me as your king. Not God, your king. Okay? So what's happening is Satan's saying, you know what? If I couldn't get to these young men, maybe I can work it this way. Psalms 111, verses 1 through 5 says, Praise the Lord. And I will thank the Lord with all my heart as I meet with his godly people. How amazing are the deeds of the Lord. All who delight in him should ponder them. 
Everything he does reveals his glory and majesty. His righteousness never fails. He causes us to remember his wonderful works. He causes us to remember his wonderful works. Wow. How gracious and merciful is our Lord. He gives food to those who fear him, and he always remembers his covenant. You see, anytime the devil wants to come into our lives, he's going to try to tempt us through our appetites. And it's not always a food appetite. He knows your appetites. He knows your weakness. And that's where the weakness is going to come in. And that's where the temptation. And here's a free sample. He'll introduce things into our lives that will take us away from the heart of God. And the reason why these young men did not eat at the king's table is because if they became grateful for it, they would become dependent on it. And some of us have been eating samples so long, that's become our diet. Honestly. I mean, Costco's great and Sam's and, and the food court, but you can't live off that. That's not a healthy diet. Point number two I will not become dependent. See, if I become grateful on it, I will become dependent. And Lamentations, I know that's your favorite book, Lamentations 3, 25 through 27 says, The Lord is good to those who wait on him. It is good to have hope and wait patiently for the Lord's salvation. Verse 27, it is good when a young man carries the yoke of discipline in his young age or his youth. And what it's saying is that when we have that relationship with God and we turn away from the things of this world and we're saying we're not going to get tempted by this, we hunger and thirst more after God. But the longer we've been eating at Satan's table, the harder it is to start understanding God's righteousness. I have met people who have been bound into sin and to chemicals and that, that they would literally die if they were taking off. They've been eating from that sample of Satan's table for so long. And what this scripture is saying is we need to turn today away from it. Don't say, you know what? Another year or two won't hurt. You don't know if you have another year or two. You see? And the thing of it is, is you're eating junk. And then those junk samples are not giving you life. It's not great for your body. It's not great for your relationship with God. And we need to turn away from the things of this world. And I'm going to tell you, Satan's samples are everywhere. They could be something that you saw on an internet screen that you shouldn't have seen more than a tenth of a second. It can come through an email that's just flirtatious. It can come through a free chemical that's just, hey, here's some free samples. The food court, one of my favorite places in the mall, because I'm not that big of a shopper, but I do love the food court. I'll use the Parks Mall just for example. When you walk through the Parks Mall, now this is really sad that I know the layout, there's Chick-fil-A, <laughs> then there's some like juice place that's healthy, and they give out little free samples of their juice. Then there's this like cheesecake, or a cheese steak, or Charlie's. Mr. Charlie's. Now, they're always out there, okay? And they got the little toothpick in it. And they got that tray, and they're like, hey, you want one? And you're like, sure. And all of a sudden, you're like, man, that was good. I wasn't planning on having that, but you know, that was really good. Then you go down, and, and, and then there's a Japanese place and a, and a Chinese place, and they've got their samples out there. 
but something that you didn't plan on going to do all of a sudden got your attention from a free sample. Why do they give you a free sample? Now, this is not rocket science. Why do they get you a free sample? Yes, so you'll go to the countertop, to their counter, right? Now, when you go to their counter, are they going to give you a free meal? What? Now you have to pay for it. So wait a second. It started with a free sample, and, and we tasted that, and now we're like, you know what? I'd like a little bit more. I'm, I'm grateful for that sample, and I'd like to go back, and now I'm going to order more of that. But now there's a cost associated with it. And I'm going to tell you that it, what Satan is giving to you for free is going to cost you one day. Oh, not today, Pat. It may be today. What you're sampling from Satan may be destroying your body. What you're sampling from Satan may be destroying your relationships. What you're sampling from, from Satan may be destroying your future. What you're sampling today may destroy your relationship with your children. Okay? See, we, we have an all-about-me mentality, and it's not all about you. It's about the way you are with your family and the way that you are with your coworkers and your neighbors and your classmates, everyone you come in contact with. Last night, I was listening to this artist, and she was sharing the reason for this song, and she said, my pastor tells me that everyone within four feet of me I should be reflecting Christ to and sharing his love. Amen. I was like, wow, that's a pretty cool radius. If you come within four feet of me, I should be able to share God's love with you. Share a scripture. Share an encouraging word like Kristen said. Wouldn't that be great if we created that little zone around us that no matter, somebody's like, hey, they're standing behind me in line. They're in my zone. Now I can share Christ with them. Amen. I love that feature. But samples are dangerous because they're going to leave you with a memory. When I named off those samples, I was thinking about what that cheesecake was like, or cheesesteak, and, and, and you know what I'm really hungry for. And then there was that little sample, that little bigger than a communion cup of, of the strawberry banana smoothie that they give you. And then there's some of the Chinese food, the orange chicken, which sometimes doesn't look like chicken, but hey, it's fried, it's free, okay. <laughs> Don't we have that mentality? I mean, honestly, do we ever take a look and say, where was this, where was this chicken raised? Was this, was this organic or was, it, was you know, has there been any, any injections into this? Did they wash their hands? <laughs> did, they wa yeah, exactly. did they wash your hands? Do you have your safety inspector code that I could see yet? Do you know that by according to my little thermometer that this is not even room temperature? But you want me to have this. And then you want me to go buy more. See, we're going to look at samples way differently now because of this message, because you're going to like, wait, that's, 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 hey, we may lose weight, okay? We may be great. And we'll be walking by saying, no, I know where that chicken came from. No, I'm not, I'm not having that. Because what you sample will leave you with a memory. And what hook is Satan trying to get into your life that you're going to be paying for because of that free sample? If we become grateful, we become dependent on what Satan has and to give us more. What we sample today, we desire tomorrow. Amen. What we sample today, we're going to desire tomorrow. If you've ever come out of an addiction, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you've ever dabbled in something that you know wasn't right and it took you quite a while to get out of it, 
you know what I'm talking about. What you sample today, you're going to desire tomorrow. It's not just sin. It can be hatred. It can be bitterness. It can be revenge. And if you sample it, you're going to remember the memory of it. Unforgiveness. If you sample that, hey... They didn't forgive me. I'm not going to forgive them. We have to be careful about what we're bringing into our lives through the music we're listening to and the movies that we're watching because they become a part of us. A couple weeks ago, we as a family got to go away for a weekend, and we were laying by a pool, and there was a speaker. They pr- provided free music, and it was, and don't hate me for this, but it was country music, okay? I'm not a big country music fan since my pickup truck and my dog left me, but... <laughs> <laughs> my dog stole my pickup. Yeah. Every song, and I'm telling you this, Every song was talking about beer, alcohol, getting drunk, and doing something with somebody that they shouldn't be doing something with. Every song. And it almost got to a point where I was like, okay. And I said to one of the kids, I'm like, I haven't heard. Oh, there it is. And it was about that. And, and you may love country western music and don't hate me for it, but what I'm saying is what you're pouring in yourself is... Alcohol is going to fix all your problems. Alcohol is a substitute, and it will not fix your problems. Having relationships with other people other than your spouse is not going to solve your problems because they're a substitute, okay? What Satan is trying to do is get you to sample things that you shouldn't be sampling so that you'll remember it, and you may become dependent upon it. But thank God for the Holy Spirit who gives us strength to break this. Thank God for the power of prayer. Thank God that you've got a pastor standing up here preaching in a very unpopular message in a culture today where everything's acceptable. But it's because I love you. And I'm saying you can break those things. You can change the way that you think that you've been. Well, my family was this way, so I have to be this way. No, you don't. That is a lie from the pit of hell. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He has a future for you. All Satan wants to do is still kill and destroy you. But God came so that you would have life and have it more abundantly. And I love life, but I'm still waiting for the more abundantly. At some point in your life, when everything is difficult, when you feel totally alone, when you think that everything has gone wrong, and your dog has left you, and your truck was stolen, all of a sudden, Satan's got it. Here's a sample. Do you remember high school? Do you remember when you sampled this back in high school, how it made you feel? Oh, man, that, yeah, I kind of remember that. It was prom, and wow, we just went out, and we did some really stupid things that night. Maybe, maybe it would help, you know? Maybe I wouldn't feel lonely if I sampled something again. That is a lie. What we sample today, we're going to desire. And that's how we get trapped. 
1 Thessalonians 4, 11, 12 says, Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you. Then people who are not Christians will respect the way you live, and you will not need to depend on others. You see, Satan hates Christians because we reflect Christ. And when we are truly loving God, and we're showing love to people that, that should have gotten a little bit of wrath, when we smiled when we could have cursed, when we prayed instead of worried, that's showing others that there's something different about us. And Satan hates that image. Satan hates that because it reflects Christ. And he hates Christ, so he sees you, he sees Christ. So what he wants to do is he wants to change your identity. He wants to change, just like I read the names of what they did have, those young men that what, now they were going to have Babylonian names, it changed their identity. And he said, oh, <laughs> we don't do that anymore. What's your username? Runningwild at gmail.com? Hmm? Hot one? Oh, no, 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 that, that's just fun. Don't, Pastor, now you're getting all woo about it. Nicknames are just... Nicknames will nick you, and you can bleed from a nick. Amen. Every time you type in that one, wild one. That's my password, wild one. Woo. Play some 80s music and put in my little password. Satan's trying to change your identity. And no, wild one's not mine. You know what mine? Actually, I just changed it. Blessed one was my password. Because every time I type that in, it reminded me that I am a blessed one. Amen. And it's not because of what the world does, it's because of what God has done for me. Amen. See, your password should build you up and not tear you down, okay? Your username should be reflecting Christ and not some wild child 60s. Yeah. Nicknames. What's interesting is you read through the rest of the first chapter of Daniel, you're going to find that these guys got respected from their peers, not because of their compromise, but because of the change. It's said that in 10 days of them eating vegetables and water, they looked better and healthier than those that were eating from the king's table. Now, the king's table was a bountiful table. I'm going to tell you that that in itself is a miracle of God, that God did more in that 10 days with them eating vegetables to show that they were going to be different. See, they made a commitment to God, and God fulfilled their commitment. Amen. 10 days isn't that big of a difference. I've been on a diet 10 days, and nobody would even notice it, okay? Come on. But if 10 days I was radically, I was down to like 130 pounds, tan, buff, and I had hair, you'd want to know what I did. <laughs> Well, I just dedicated my life to God. We'd have the biggest revival this, town, this city has ever seen. I want to lose weight, God. I want to get tan. I want to get buff. I want an eight-pack. I don't want a six-pack, God. You can do all things, right? There was something that happened during those 10 days with that vegetables and water that really showed everybody else. Look at these guys. And look at you guys that have been eating from the food king's table. That in itself was a miracle. My last point, I am not going to become loyal 
to Satan's samples. Psalms 31 verses 23 and 24 says, Love the Lord, all you godly ones, for the Lord protects those who are loyal to him. Loyal to him. But he harshly punishes the arrogant. Be strong and courageous, all you who put your hope in the Lord. You see, God wants us to be loyal to him. Because if we're not loyal to him, we're going to be loyal to our appetites. And we all have appetites. We all have appetites. But when you put God first in your life, those appetites die away. When you seek first the kingdom of God, when you would rather be in God's presence than anyone else's, nothing else is mattering. And those appetites are going away. You see, because later in the book of Daniel in chapter 3, we read about a 90-foot statue that King Nebuchadnezzar puts up. 90 feet, that's nine stories. And it was an image. And then there's a law that goes out that says, hey, when the music changes, when the music's played, you're going to bow down. And those three young men did not bow. You, You felt that the cafeteria was pressure? When you're walking in and you're eating vegetables, think about being the only three that aren't bowing when everyone else, as far as you can see, were bowing down to worship an idol. You kind of stand out in a crowd a little bit that way, don't you? In chapter 6, Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den because he won't stop praying. In fact, he goes to the window and he prays. He makes him really visible. I'm still praying. I don't care what you say, I'm still going to pray. And I'm going to tell you the reason why they didn't bow and why Daniel didn't stop praying is because they didn't compromise and they didn't eat at the king's table. Compromise is going to ruin your life. See, if you compromise here, you're going to compromise there. You're going to compromise over there. You're going to compromise in that business dealing. You're going to compromise over here with your family. You're going to compromise over here when you can make a couple extra bucks and it's somewhat legal. This is Daniel made up his mind not to defile himself. You see, what started with a no thank you ended up in promotion. You think about that? No thanks. I'm not going to eat I'm not going to eat the food. All right, I'm not going to compromise who I am with my God. And it ended up in promotion. Same as Joseph. See, everyone tells you, hey, it tastes good. And I'll tell you what, sin may look good, but sin is not good for you. Sin is a substitute. And when we accept Christ as our Lord and our Savior, we have to start saying no to the samples that are all around us. You see, what's going to happen is even today, something is going to tempt you in some way. And what I'd like for you to say is, you know what? This is not a tempt. This is a sample of Satan that wants to draw me into something that's going to cost me a lot. And I'm not going to do it. Would you bow your heads? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? Has there been something that you've been sampling in your life that you know has not been healthy? You know is not good. You know it's a substitute. Is 
See, God knows. You just need to come into agreement with him and confess it and say, God, I'd rather die than do this again. See, that's what real repentance is. Repentance is saying, I would rather die than do this. Not, the music's pretty and I'm going to say that I'm sorry, but I plan on doing it again this afternoon. That's not real repentance. But if you ask God for the power and the authority through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, it says that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. There's your power to overcome the temptations. There's your power to break the addictions. There's your power to be able to say no to the samples. There's the power to start growing in your relationship with God. There's the power that's going to start allowing you to encourage others, even though you need encouragement yourselves. And we stop living a self-centered life, and we start living a serving life to others. And once we start serving others, we start seeing that God can do more through us. And that gives us purpose. I'd like to lead everybody in a prayer today. It's a very simple prayer. And I'd like for everybody to say it. Now, God knows if you mean it or not. But it might be to ask for forgiveness for something that we've been sampling that we know we shouldn't be sampling. And it could be a substance, it could be an attitude. It could be multiple things. But as we say this prayer together, would you pray it as if it's your first time coming to God and just saying, God, I just need to get rid of the junk in my life, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the anger, the substances that I know are not good for my body. These would be the things to bring to God in prayer and ask for forgiveness. So would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I am saved. Amen. Some of you may have meant that for the very first time. And some of you may have just said, you know what, I, I need to get rid of something in my life. Go home. Write it. Today, I got rid of this. It's no longer a part of me. The addiction is broken. Change settings on your computer. Clean out some junk in your house. <laughs> Change your username. <laughs> Delete some of those contacts on Facebook that you know have not been healthy for you. It's cleaning out house time. Because you know what? We're children of the Most High God. And He has a plan and a purpose. 
And there are greater things in store with you with God than what Satan will ever be able to provide you. So watch out for the samples. Would you all stand? I'd like to speak a blessing over you as we dismiss. I'm so thankful you were here today. Love to see you come out on Thursday night. Just come and watch and see God move in lives of people. Then Friday night, we're going to go out and we're going to worship God like you've never encountered worship before. It is really phenomenal just to be there with hundreds and hundreds of people. We'd love to spend that time with you. May the Lord bless you and may he protect you. And may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. So we go now in his peace. In Jesus' name, God bless you.